uh, today, stepping into spiritual destiny. And I, I honor your pastor. Uh, never would I ever do anything or say anything uh, that would uh, hinder his call and his vision for this congregation. And so uh, I, I just honor him today and anything that I say, uh, if it's uh, in any way uh, offensive, uh, don't take it out on him, take it out on me. <laughs> and uh, we'll both uh, appreciate that. But God's challenging me in these days, and I want to share with you and pray that uh, the message will challenge you as well. I'm a baby boomer, and uh, I grew up uh, born in 1956, and uh, uh, when I was about five years old, uh, ABC launched a sports series that endured for nearly 40 years. It was called ABC's Wide World of Sports. Anybody ever hear that? Sure, you boomers and even some of you younger guys, you're, you're familiar with that. It had, a, it had about a 30-second lead on that program, and here's what it said. Spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sport, the thrill of victory, of athletic competition. This is ABC's Wide World of Sports. We can never forget that lead. It's so powerful. And, you know, it's that one phrase that always stuck to me. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And you can remember in that lead, the guy going down that ski jump and he falls down and he kind of explodes over the side of that ski jump and everything just goes flying. And, you know, it, it is a thrill to experience victory. And it's tough to experience defeat. And all of us have at one time or another experienced both. If you're like me in a spiritual context, I tell you sometimes when I'm endeavoring to minister to people and be used by God in a powerful, miraculous way, sometimes I feel like I've known a whole lot more defeat than I've known the thrill of victory. Can anybody identify with that? I uh, met Joe about six months after Cindy and I had moved into Hazy Hollow. It was November 2014. I remember because we were giving out frozen turkeys to people and just getting to know our neighbors. And so I walked up to a fence. Joe was on the other side of the fence. And I'm Joe was probably going through a tough time because uh, just... A little, maybe a month before, his entire home had been burned to the ground. And behind the home, it was a mobile home, behind the mobile home was a big fifth wheel RV, which also caught fire and completely destroyed. And so here I am walking up to Joe. He moved in a very late, lower, older RV. And he and his fiancée were, were living there. It was so in such bad condition. He had a tarp over the roof because it was leaking. And here I am coming up to Joe to bless his day with a frozen turkey. So I thought, you know, I, I, I felt a little unsure of what I was going to do. But, I, you know, I just uh, decided to brave it. And so I spoke to him across the fence and waved him my way. And he came over and... 
I said, hey, uh, I'm Denny. What's your name? And he said, Joe. And I said, Joe, I don't know if you could use this, but my wife and I are giving out turkeys. It's Thanksgiving time, and we know often uh, people are cutting corners with expenses, and so we're just trying to kind of bless our neighbors with some turkeys. Would you be interested in one? Do you have a place to put it? I didn't know if he had, you know, a little freezer. I didn't know if he could even cook it. Here, you take this, and uh, I wonder, Joe, is there anything that I can pray with you about today? And his eyes began to fill with tears. He was overcome. And this is what he said to me. I'm just kind of paraphrasing what he said. He said, Denny, I'm, my doctor tells me because I have cirrhosis of the liver, I'm going to be dead in six months. I let my home burn to the ground. My fiance has nowhere to live but in this old RV. And I'm just trying to get it fixed up so that when I'm gone, she has a place to live. My turkey seemed pretty insignificant at that point. I said, Joe, I want to pray for you. And he, he standing there sobbing and me across the fence, just put my hand on his shoulder. I began to pray and I asked God to touch Joe in a miraculous way. That was in the fall of 2014 after his doctor told him he'd be dead in six months. He's a picture of health. He's completely whole. In fact, he's strong. If you shook his hand, the calluses and the... Not to bring any kind of uh, glory on me, because I want to tell you something. I've prayed for hundreds of people, and nothing happened. Over the years of my ministry, and I started in 1979, I'll be 62 years old this year, I may have prayed for thousands of people and saw nothing happen. You know, I think when we experience the agony of defeat, when we're endeavoring to be obedient to God, you know, when we're trying to step out in faith and, and allow the Spirit of God to flow through our lives and do something, particularly when we're trying to have faith for God to do the supernatural, it's so easy to allow those experiences of defeat to shape our thinking about God. You know, John Maxwell used the illustration of a flea trainer. Maybe you've heard this illustration before about the guy. Supposedly, a, a, a guy took a little mason jar and he put fleas in it. And he put a lid on top of that, closed that lid, that jar up. And those fleas would hop inside that little short jar. And they would hit their head on, on that lid every time they hop, you know. And so they're inside that jar. They're wanting to get out. And the fleas keep hopping up. And every time they hop, they bump jump this high. It doesn't hurt so bad. And what happens, you know, the metaphor that story is just simply suggesting that the ceiling that we sometimes encounter in our failures, we allow that ceiling to, to block our attempt to go higher. And pretty soon that ceiling shapes those experiences of failure, the agony of defeat shapes our thinking and it shapes our faith and it impacts 
what we feel about God and what God can do through us. I was at that point spiritually. And as I begin to look at the word, as I begin to talk with friends, as I, I begin to just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to me, and, and just through, through years, really, of frustration, I just, I just determined I was going to take God at his word, much like the song we just sang, you know. I love that. First Corinthians one twenty. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. I just decided, Lord, I see what your promises say. I'm going to speak the amen by faith. Even though my experiences, my chapter 5, I want to read the first 10 verses. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 10. This is the story, a well-known passage of Scripture about Legion, the demoniac. It says in the New Living Translation, verse 1, So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the land of the Gerasenes. Just as Jesus was climbing from the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit ran out from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the tombs and could not be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to control him. All day long and throughout the night, he would wander among the tombs and in the hills, screaming and hitting himself with stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him. He ran to meet Jesus and fell down before him. He gave a terrible scream, shrieking, Why are you bothering me, Jesus, son of the most high God? For God's sake, don't torment me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, What is your name? And the spirit replied, Legion. Because there are many of us here inside this man. Then the spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. It's interesting to me that Jesus, who as the God-man, encountered this demoniac. And Jesus' words to an evil spirit come out of this man were met with resistance. There's this ongoing conversation kind of back and forth. And as we look at these verses, uh, in verse 7 it says, He gave a terrible scream, shrieking, you know, why are you bothering me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? For God's sake, don't torture me. And look at verse 8. It says, for Jesus had already said to the Spirit, come out of the man. You know, when I think about Jesus as God and how Jesus walked in, in indescribable authority and power, I mean, I would think that the moment, the second Jesus said, come out of the man, bam, the guy, you know, he's out of there. 
And yet we see this ensuing resistance from this demon-possessed man. And it says in verse 9, Jesus said, What's your name? And the spirit replied, Legion, because there are many of us here inside this man. The spirits begged him again and again not to send them away to another place. Again and again. So this is this these demons that have possessed this man, there's this resistance, and, and, and I'm just amazed by that. And I, I, I flipped, what really intrigued me was when I go one chapter further in this book, I invite you to go to Mark 6. I'm going to read verse 4, 5, and 6. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives in his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any mighty miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Now when I read that, I want to raise my hand and go, Hey, I'll take laying hands on a few sick people and see if Jesus was in awe at the unbelief of his friends and his family. And the Bible says he could do no mighty miracles there. But what what I'm intrigued by the fact is that Jesus even standing in awe of their unbelief, did not stop there. And he continued to lay his hands on people. And he saw several people healed, delivered from their sickness. And of course, we know the story of Legion, that as soon as Jesus found out There were many that he was dealing with. He, I don't know why, but in his sovereignty, gave them permission to take over a herd of 2,000 pigs. And they fled down the hill and were were drowned in the sea. I I think there's something here worth imitating. And I want to share two steps worth imitating here. The first one is this. It's a powerful lesson from the Lord, particularly imitating is this. Don't let defeat become your theological default. Don't let defeat become your theological default. In other words, don't let your experience shape what you believe. As we look at the Word of God, as we look at what God has said in his word, if our experience does not quite come up to that, then we should not, we must not allow our limited experience to shape what we believe about God. We must take God at his word and and allow the word of God to shape our faith. Allow what God has said to be our default position. And so no matter how many times I pray for people to be healed 
or delivered. And I see nothing happen. No matter how many times I experience the agony of defeat, I cannot, I must not allow that defeat to shape what I believe about God. One minister was preaching in a large church and he was reading from Matthew 10, 8, and this is how he read it. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And immediately the Holy Spirit convicted him. Here he is preaching in this large congregation. And he sensed the Spirit of God say to him, you're ashamed of that verse, aren't you? And he tried, he tried his best to ignore what he sensed God was saying to him. And later, later on, he said he experienced one of the strongest personal rebukes he had ever experienced from the Lord. And he knew that he had, he had, he had allowed his enthusiasm to diminish when he was reading the verse about raising the dead. And, he had, and he, it happened because he was ashamed of that. He'd never experienced that. I got to tell you, I've never experienced that. Most of us in this room probably have never experienced that. And even as he's reading that scripture, kind of mumbled his way through that phrase. And then, of course, when he got to the end, freely receive, freely give. It's pretty safe to declare that, you know. So he declared that loudly. But in that rebuke he received from the Holy Spirit, this is what he said later in a book that he wrote, my word to the level of your experience. Don't you become an experience-based preacher. Do not create a a theology based on your experience of not seeing the dead raised or people here healed. And this, this statement is so powerful. He sensed God saying to him, Preach my word and let the people's experience rise to it. You know, in my mind, I go back to those fleas. And how we've allowed our defeats, we've allowed the things that we've not experienced, we've allowed the shame of of failed attempts to have faith to just keep us jumping only this high. And I think what the Spirit of God was saying to that preacher was, blow the lid off of it and take me at my word. I remember just a couple of years ago, we had made a, we had made a decision. I had made a decision as a pastor, and I was leading my church to make time in our service for God to do the miraculous. And that's just simply just to pray for people that needed healing. The struggle in the past is, you know, it just always got so messy and people could get so crazy. But I just said, God, I'm, I'm going to do what your word tells me to do. And in, in, in order and in honor to your name, we're simply going to give you an opportunity to heal people. And so we just simply, during uh, some of the worship, as it was quieting down, people could continue to sing and worship. We invite people to come and pray. Some would come and they would kneel around the front. Some would ask to be anointed and prayed for for a, a sickness in their body. And on this particular day, 
the man who was, I was our associate pastor at the time. His name is Bob. And there was a, a precious lady in our congregation. Her name is Cindy Martin. She lives in Magnolia. Cindy had recently been diagnosed with something that I, I'm not so sure that the medical community even had a name for it, but it was, it was a tremor. And it wasn't MS or MD or anything like that, it, 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 but it was something relating to her muscles, and it was, a, it was at times a violent, noticeable tremor. And so Cindy, would, she would do this as she was talking to you. And she had come to church. And, and if you knew Cindy and just a wonderful life of faith and, and trust in God. And, and, and the doctor said to her, there's no cure. I'm sorry, but there's nothing that can be done for you. And I remember Cindy asking the church to pray for her. And so Bob had her to come forward and we were standing there. I was on one side, Bob was on the other. We both had our hands on her shoulder and there probably were 15 people who had just felt led to come and gather around. And so we began to pray for Cindy. And she was just standing there, our hands were on her and she was just, you know, just almost spastic as she was trembling. And Bob made the most brave statement I think I've ever heard anybody make publicly in a worship service. Bob said, we're going to pray for Cindy until God quiets her body. That's pretty bold, isn't it? I've never seen that on TV, you know. Um, I've seen a lot of faith type stuff, you know, happening. But uh, this is where... Everybody in the congregation heard him. He said it through a microphone. There's 15, 20 people standing around with their hands on her and we're praying. You know, in radio and television, if you ever had a favorite radio program and all of a sudden, boom, everything just dies. And you're like, oh, somebody is in trouble. You know, the, the seconds are ticking off. And like 10 seconds of dead air on the radio is like an eternity. Well, folks, we prayed and a minute went by. And Cindy's just shaking violently. And it, it may have been two minutes. I wasn't timing it. But all of a sudden, as people are praying around Cindy, I could sense, because I had my hand on her shoulder, I could sense her body was quieting. It was settling. And as I'm thinking it, Bob spoke it. Bob said, your body is settling. He said exactly what I was feeling and sensing. And we prayed about another 30 seconds, and all of a sudden, Cindy stood there totally quiet in peace. Just as calm as you and I. Everybody in the place saw it. That was two years ago at least. I'm not sure, Cindy. Maybe more, Cindy's saying. It's never come back. She's never had an experience like that again wasn't because we were super spiritual. We just had the audacity to say, God, no matter how many hundreds of people we've prayed for and nothing's happened, we're just going to give you space. See, there's nothing in me that can do that. There's nothing in Bob that could do that. It's just God. And why he does sometimes and why he doesn't other times, I don't have a clue about that. And someday I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him that. 
But I, I must not allow my experience of failure to shape what I think God is able to do. I can't let failure be my default position. You see, I want my default position to take God at his word and trust him no matter what happens. You know, leave the details with God. Don't let defeat become your theological default. And here's the second. The second point is not about Jesus per se, but it's about legion or whatever his name may have been. Second point is this. Let the power of God shape your destiny. Let the power of God shape your destiny. Let's go back to Mark 5, verse 15. I'm going to read through verse 20. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, but they were frightened when they saw the man who had been demon-possessed. For he was a man, and to the pigs told everyone about it. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Don't you have trouble believing that happened? I mean, yeah, if you own those pigs, you might be a little ticked, you know. But, man, to see this miracle take place, I would have been inviting Jesus to my home for lunch, you know. But instead, they're asking him to leave. In verse um, 18, when Jesus got back into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go too. But Jesus said, no, go home to your friends and tell them what wonderful things the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to tell everyone about the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. It says here that this man implored Jesus. He was begging Jesus. It's kind of like he said, Lord, I just feel the call. I know I feel the call. It's burning in my heart. I got to go with you, Jesus. I'm not sure what his motive was, but Jesus said, no, that's not, that's not your destiny. Your destiny is to go Padres, go home to your buddies, go home to your friends, your neighbors, and tell them how God has been merciful to you. Tell them what great things God has done for you. You know, that's the true test. That's the true test. When you can go back home. When you can go back to the people that know you best. When you go back to the people who saw you with the legions of broken issues. And you can say to them, I'm changed. I'm different. I'm not what I was. (laughs) My life is not the same anymore. You see, those guys know you. They can look at you and they can see whether or not the past is really the past. (laughs) It was 11 months ago that I stood in the same place. March the 26th, 2017. Before I got up to share, a young lady named Candace Lopez, you may remember, Candace got up and she gave a testimony about 10 minutes in length. 
As Candace was sharing her testimony, her twin sister, Samantha, was sitting in prison and convicted of possession, a large amount, a large enough amount of methamphetamine to, to get her some pretty serious time. She uh, was also charged with uh, resisting arrest and assaulting a police officer. I, I wish I had brought her mugshot. She has this incredible mugshot. Her hair is just shaved bald. And she has this look on her face like, just give me five seconds with you, you know. Here she is charged. I've, I've been charged with assaulting a police officer. That was 11 months ago to the day. Her twin sister, Candace, who was here and gave her testimony, was told by friends and family, don't go back to Hazy Hollow. You won't survive. Don't go back there. God used Teen Challenge to really bring some healing in her life. And she did go for several months to Teen Challenge when she herself got out of jail. When you saw her and heard her, she'd already been through Teen Challenge. She was back in the hall and she was, she was ministering to people she used to take drugs with. But see, because Candace decided, I'm not going to go somewhere else. I'm where people have seen me with all my legions of issues. And I'm going to tell what great things the Lord has done for me. And she and her mother would drive on the weekends to Dayton. And she would visit her sister, Samantha, in prison. And she would tell Samantha every weekend, Samantha, God has set me free. Look at how he's changed my life. What he's done for me, he can do for you. Eleven months ago, as she stood here, sharing with you, Determined that she was going to go home and tell the friends that she ran with what God had done. And telling her sister what God had done. Today, 11 months later, her sister Samantha, out of prison, free from addiction over a year now, sober. Got her son back. It was so bad that that the CPS made her mother set up cameras on her home. And if, if Samantha was ever spotted in those cameras, they were to call the police because she was not to be anywhere near her children. She was a danger to her own family. Like her twin sister Candace, she is an intern at Hope for the Hollow Ministries. And my wife and I have the wonderful privilege... Every month of watching her go to her friends, whether we're delivering hot meals or blankets or whatever it may be. But we have the wonderful privilege of watching her walk up to her old friends and them just gasping and saying, oh, my goodness, is that you, Samantha? Look at you. You've changed. You're so different. And she hugs them and they just give her a big old smile and they rejoice together. And there's her twin sister, Candace, right beside her. Candace is about three years sober and here's Samantha, one year sober. And I got to tell you, friends, they're a dynamic duo spiritually. They go into that place, praise be to God. 
And they, and they minister to people. I mean, people come out of the woods that are in tents. People come out of sheds off of somebody's porch. Homeless folk, drug addicts, they come for a meal. And they can hand it to them and embrace them. Tell them they love them. And say to them, what God did for me, he can do for anybody. Let the last week we were meeting for discipleship. We meet with them each week for at least two hours of discipleship. Samantha had been complaining in our discipleship how much pain she had in her knee. We were standing there and we were we were just kind of praying together and I just I, I said, Candace, why don't you put your hand on Samantha's knee and let's just pray for her knee and I want you to pray. And she began to pray. And I, And I kid you not, Samantha said her knee began to warm. It it grew hot and and immediately, she said this, immediately the pain just went, it vanished completely. And she's, you know, she's testing it. I said, make sure, yeah. And and it was completely gone. The next week for discipleship, we met together. And I I used to ask her, Samantha, no pressure. Just I want to know, honestly, if you had any more pain in that knee, no, not a bit. It's healed. And Candace had the wonderful privilege of praying for her sister. See, what Candace is living out is the destiny God had for her. She could have gone somewhere else to be safe, away from Hazy Hollow, away from her past, away from the drugs. But she said, no, you know what? I'm going to go home to my family, my friends, I'm going to tell what great things the Lord has done for me. And that's the destiny God has. I believe not just for Candace, but for every one of his children. Let me close with these three steps of faith. I, want to, I just want to admonish you and really me. I'm speaking to myself here because as I said, I've prayed for hundreds of people and nothing happened. But I have seen God heal. And I've seen him heal instantly. And I've seen enough of the work of God that I don't, I don't want to ever go back to unbelief. I don't ever want my default position to be doubt and fear and defeat. Here's three closing steps of faith. We, we need to realize these three things. Number one, God has commissioned you. I heard Stuart Briscoe say it like this one time. If you've been enlightened, you're enrolled. God has commissioned you. Look at these verses. Now, just with an open mind, I want us to look at what Jesus has said. In Matthew 28, we know it is the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I put this in bold, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. On Jesus said, teach those who will believe in me through your ministry. You teach them what I've commanded you to do so that they will do what I'm telling you I want you to do. So you see how this is ongoing? Every time somebody comes to faith in Christ, teach them to obey the things I've commanded you to do. Well, what did Jesus command those 12 to do? Let's look at it. The very next passage in Matthew Chapter 10, 
7 and 8. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. That's our commission. Here's the second thing, the second step of faith that we need to, we need to realize. Secondly, God has qualified you. You know, I'm like, I'm like those fleas in that jar at times, you know. And I've, I learned that if I only jump so high, I won't be ashamed. I won't be embarrassed. I won't fail miserably. And, and so we think, you know, I'm not, I don't have that much faith. I don't have as much faith as somebody I can do it, but I can't do that. And we, we just kind of cop out and say, you know, I'm just not qualified. Well, I, I just have to tell you, if you feel inadequate, if you feel that you don't qualify, guess what? You're just the type of person God wants to use. Look at these words in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. I got to read that to you from the living, new living. It's so powerful. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. Listen to it from the NLT. But this precious treasure... This light and power that now shine within us is held in perishable containers. That is in our weak bodies. So everyone can see that our glorious power is from God and is not our own. God has qualified you. Here's the third point. I close with this. His words and works. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. Chapter 2, verse 2 through 5. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Every miracle that ever happened, it happened not because someone was a super saint, not because someone was this tremendous person of great faith. It happened because God in his sovereignty said, I'm going to move on their behalf. I want you to bow your head with me this morning. Let's just tarry for a moment. I know that Song this morning, but I just want to wait and tarry for a moment. 
is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? I would imagine that there's potentially a couple of scenarios here today. You may be here today and you have wanted to have faith for a miracle that you need or a loved one needs. And so you're, you're being challenged in your, in your walk of faith to believe for a miracle in your life. Or you may be, like me, someone who has wanted to have that faith and wanted to be able to pray that prayer of faith with expectation, but you've, you've just failed so many times that you've allowed that experience to shape what you believe about God. And, and God has spoken to you, and you want, you want to say, God, please erase my default position and let your word and what you have declared become my default. Maybe that's you. I just want to pause for a moment. Holy Father, God, who've come out in such a storm this morning to, to worship you, to hear from you. I think of you, Jesus. You, you stepped out of that boat having come through one storm and stepped right into the storm of a man that needed freedom. Would you step into our lives right now? Speak to us and help us at our greatest point of need. wonder if there's someone here today and you you want to ask God for a miracle of healing in your life. If you feel that way, I'd like for you just as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, I'd like to invite you just to stand where you're now seated. Just stand if you would. Several have stood today, and I, I just feel that we should pray. Rather than pray for those who want a shift in your default, I'm just going to admonish you, take the word of God and go believing what God has said. But for these are our precious brothers and sisters that are standing today. Y'all are family here. I can sense that. I think it'd be good if the rest of us would would go to those that are standing and just help them to believe for a miracle in their life. And I know that some of you are standing with each other. And so uh, it's you can open your eyes. Those of you that are standing, if you'd remain standing, I'm going to ask that we would just move around. And Cindy, if you'd come here and the rest of you just move to somebody that needs a miracle. And, and you're the only one, ma'am? You all are standing with her, right? Okay, okay. And we got a, Craig's got somebody standing with him and these brothers. 
Now, I'm, I'm going to have your friends um, anoint you with oil. And I do this not because there's any power in this oil. Now, I don't think it came from Jerusalem. Uh, you know, I don't. But I'm just simply in obedience to the word of God that says in James, Is any of you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to anoint the sick person with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. And the sick person will be made well. Let's just take God at his word today. Amen. And so I I want every friend that's around that person who's wanting prayer. Just take a little dab on your tip of your finger. And and you can just anoint the forehead of your friend. Got some there. Some of you do it. Just bear with me patiently, friends. This won't take but a moment, and I think we want to give God room today to do His work. I'll let you dip it so I don't spill it all over you. Got some there, brother? All right. If you would just uh, wipe that oil. Oh, let's get You just put, place that oil on their forehead and you just begin to pray. Our Father, Lord, acknowledging that you alone are God, there is none beside you. We come, Lord, simply to pray the prayer of faith and acknowledge that nothing is too difficult for the Lord. Father, I want to pray for little Skylar who's in a hospital today who unless you touch him, Lord, he'll perish. But Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Father, stretch forth your hand to heal Skylar. And Father, I pray that you would stretch forth your hand and touch every loved one in this place. Our, our brothers and our sisters, Father, touch them. Stretch forth your hand to touch them. And Lord, with our mouth, we rebuke anything that the evil one is attempting to do to try to steal, kill, and destroy. Thank you, Jesus, that you've come that we might have life and have it to the full. And so we pray, oh God, let your healing power flow through us and flow into our friends. And we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, God, that you would touch them, Father. I pray every situation, Lord, whether it's with a heart condition, Father, whether it's with an issue of the blood, whether, Lord, it's with an issue uh, of aim, um, uh, Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal. And, Father, we pray for maybe one who's standing on behalf of a loved one, God. I pray faith would go forth from them. Lord, as the woman with the issue of blood said to herself, if only I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And Lord, she was healed because of her faith. Lord, increase our faith today. We simply rest the full weight of our faith on Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who is our healer. We give you praise, Lord. We thank you for what you're going to do. And we pray it with thanksgiving in the name of your holy servant, Jesus the Christ.
let God's people say, amen, 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 amen. God bless you. Anything else, Stevie? Okay.